You Are an Entrepreneur with Jacob Busani, episode 37. Are you ready to make your law firm a profit-generating machine that will free up your time and skyrocket your impact? With more than two decades of business growth experience and having proven that you can be successful while prioritizing your family and your impact, introducing the Profit with Law podcast. I am your host, the creator of the firm differentiator 10x effect, Moshe Amsel. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Profit with Law. I am your host, Moshe Amsel, and today is a bonus interview with a friend of mine, Jacob Busani. So Jacob and I met through a local networking group, and little did I know that he is an author of a book, and he coaches and mentors entrepreneurs, and we've had some great conversations, so I felt that he would be a great asset to you, the law firm owner listening to this podcast. So Jacob Bassani is a speaker, trainer, and coach with the John Maxwell team. He is also the author of The Entrepreneurial Way. Jacob is a wonderful guy. He's got a great story, and it was a pleasure and an honor to bring him here on the podcast to share his wisdom and nuggets with you. Without further ado, I'm going to queue up that interview for you right now. So Jacob, welcome to the show. Wow, what an introduction. Thank you, Moshe. It was, uh, it was, it was great meeting you the other week at the networking event, and I'm glad and I'm honored to be on your show. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. So let's start this off real easy. Jacob, tell us a little bit about yourself. Give my listeners a background of your history, who you are, and how you ended up becoming the author of The Entrepreneurial Way. And and uh, and along your journey, you, you settled on something that's keeping you busy right now. And what is that? Okay. So I started off, my first venture in entrepreneurship was most probably my father gave me the paving business at the age of 17. I, I was working with him since I was like 14, like part-times in the summer. I kind of, you know, just got into the family business. Then 17, dad gives me the keys. He's like, you're good to go. You already know how to drive the truck. You know how to drive the trailer. You know how to manage workers. You know how to go get jobs. You know how to do sales. Go do it. And for the first two years, I have grown his business by double just every year going after. Then um, then the paving and seal coating business is a seasonal job. So I had to occupy myself with something in the winter. So I got into real estate. I've been involved in real estate on the commercial brokering and syndicating end of things. Up until about two years ago, I was in that full time besides the summers where I would do the paving business where then I started getting into the personal development business completely by accident where friends were just like, hey, you know, you're always giving us advice and it works most of the time and it doesn't work when we don't do it. So you should probably start coaching and speaking and stuff. And I was not really into that. So I kind of like tested the waters a little bit, different programs until I found just the one that fit me. And that was the John Maxwell team. I went, I got certified, I did a few other programs and I always had this 
thing that I needed to do was to write a book, mostly just for myself. And that is one of the reasons why I wrote The Entrepreneurial Way, where I have all these lessons, where it's just for myself as a reminder. And I happened to wrote it in a format that anybody who does pick up the book can benefit from it greatly. You know, it's very interesting that your book came about through your a need that you had to fulfill. And then you're like, you know what, I'm doing this. Why not do it for others? And I have a, a friend of mine, Alone David. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's created a product called the 90X Planner. Uh, the 90X Goal Planner is also born by the fruit of his own need to create a system to keep himself motivated towards his goals and keep on track. And you do have something in common. You didn't mention it, but I love your tagline. Born, born in Israel, uh, made in Israel. Uh, you, you go ahead. What is what is the line? Made in Israel, raised in New York. Yeah, there you go. So made in Israel, raised in New York. He he was also a native Israeli. But it's interesting that, and I'm going to have him on the show. I'm very excited he, he's accepted and, and we're going to bring him on here because that's something that I use and I have my clients use uh, on a regular basis. But it's very interesting that sometimes the best ideas that we have are born out of our own need and uh, just kind of comes to fruition. I even know attorneys who, you know, they found a need within their own their own practice area, their own, you know, the way that they were operating their firm and ended up starting a separate business or leaving law in order to to run a business where they created a software product or they created some other service that law firms needed because they needed it and it wasn't just wasn't being uh, done in the marketplace. So I guess that's that's one of the ways that we can enter into entrepreneurship is to recognize that there's something out there. So really neat to see how how your book came about, that it wasn't, oh, I have to write a book and uh, and then you, you know, came up with how to do it, but really just, Hey, this is my, this is my own journal and you guys compare inside of it. So, uh, I like that. Thanks. Thanks. It's definitely uh, how it went. Now you also have your own podcast show as well. Is that correct? Yes. So I actually have two podcasts. The first one is the power entrepreneur where I interview successful entrepreneurs and business owners and ask them, you know, for different advice. And that one we've already been doing for a year and change. I think we're already up to like our 70-something episode. And then I just reignited, restarted again, the Real Estate Podcast, which is called The Real Estate Show, where I interview rock stars in all aspects of the real estate business, up to 20 minutes, and just shoot for tips, advice, everything with just no fluff, just straight question answer. Very cool. All right. So if you guys are interested in that, in, in either of those shows, go check them out. Um, and the, the, uh, what is it? The entrepreneurial way? No, the uh, power, oh, power hour, power hour, the power hour and, uh, and the real estate or show. So power entrepreneur, power entrepreneur. Uh, I screwed that up twice. So I, that takes talent. Here's a question for you. So some people natively instinctively want to improve themselves. They get involved in self-help books. They, you know, they're constantly reading and that's one type of person. Uh, and then another type of person really doesn't recognize that there's a need to, to prove themselves or they recognize it, but they don't really know where to get started. So as somebody who's in this field, in this industry and helps people along their path, if somebody's brand new, they've never read a self-help book, they've never, They've never really uh, dove into that space. 
is there a place that you would recommend that they get started? Where do, should they start with reading a book? Should they start with listening to a specific podcast? Should they go to a meeting somewhere? What's the best place for somebody to start going down the road of, of uh, self-improvement and growth? So I think that's a great question that you touched up on. Um, I, I come across, just like what you said, there are two types of people. There are the people who need personal growth and personal development to actually accelerate them. And then there are the other end of the spectrum where people, they don't think that they need it or they just don't know where to get started. And my advice for that was always, everybody has a different poison that they like to listen to. Everybody has a different person who they connect with. So everybody has a different person who they connect with. For example, myself, I like John Maxwell. I'm a big John Maxwell. So I listen to all his things. I read all his books. I take all his programs. And then on the side, I also do like a bunch of other books, but he's like my main go-to. And I heard that you should always try to like find like one or two people who that's who you connect with and that's who you follow. And then everybody else is just like, okay, I can add that on. Because once you just start doing like everything and you just start reading like a bunch of different books, um, you kind of just like, it's like a whole like big scrabble game where, oh, he says this and he says this and she says that and they say this. And now, now it's just like, oh, they, and now they're like conflicting each other and then just like, okay, where do I go now? Yeah, so yeah, everybody like, has... It's kind of like if you're on a, a weight loss journey and uh, you start to implement all the diets at the same time, right? Yeah, the no carbs, the no the water drinking one, the greens, of course. Right. You're trying to have a green smoothie while intermittent intermittent fasting, while sticking to keto, while oh, also man. on Atkins. It's kind of impossible to do it all. For and sure. they're all conflicting with each other. So you would have that in the self-help space as well is what you're saying that, you know, different people have different advice and, and they're not wrong. It's just that they, they can't necessarily be done at the same time. And, and it just will confuse the heck out of somebody. So you should choose one coach or one thought leader that you're following and just kind of consume everything that they have and really dive deep into that. Uh, so that's great, great advice. And I appreciate you sharing that with us. I'd like to go down some of the key points in your book and just kind of touch on, on each of them. So at the beginning of your book, you start to talk about a person's mindset growth versus fixed, which we kind of touched on just now. I, my understanding is, is that somebody with a growth mindset is seeking that self-improvement and somebody with a fixed mindset, somebody who just believes that they are who they are and they can't grow. So we just touched on that where, you know, obviously the first step to becoming a better person is to recognize that you could be a better person and start seeking the help that you need. Um, the next thing that you touch on in the book is the vision where you talk about following your North star. Talk to me a little bit about why the vision is so important and how that can translate into somebody who is struggling and getting their law firm to grow where perhaps the vision might be the problem. I, that's also another amazing question. A lot of people ask me, why can't I have the vision before the mindset or why can't I just write my goals down before I have the vision? And I specifically wrote the book in that order where, you know, first you have the mindset, then you have the vision. So for the, you know, for the law, for the law practitioner to grow their law firm, when you don't have your North star and you don't have your mind and vision on the same path, it's kind of like, 
you can either take the bus to go to the grocery store or you can walk. It's all about what's going to get you there faster and what's going to be more convenient for you. You can, you can get into your car, you can drive to the grocery store, that's the most convenient, or you can walk to the grocery store and that's going to take you a little bit longer. Unless you live in like Brooklyn or Manhattan or you're just like walking down the stairs. But, but you get the analogy. So the vision is kind of the root that this is what I want to, this is what I want to be doing. This is the end vision. I see my law practice, um, a $10 million law practice in two or three or five years. And, and then, and then there's all the details that surround with it is, Oh, I need to hire this amount of people. I need this amount of clients. I need to be charging this amount of money. Those are all the details, but the vision is okay. I want my law practice to be this in this place, serving those clients. Now, if you don't have your mindset on the same page, which is the growth mindset, then it's, you're kind of always fixed. So let's say you're a million dollar law practice right now. You're always thinking about, Oh, how many more clients can I get? That is called for like the fixed mindset. Whereas opposed to, okay, I need to change some things up. Maybe I can just have the same amount of clients, but they'll just pay me more money. That's the growth aspect of things. So when you're looking at the vision, that is kind of your handheld point or, you know, like the fishing line where you have to reach the end of the line and it's there. You can see the line. It's moving from time to time. Sometimes you're going to catch it. Sometimes you won't catch it. But if you're not going to actively look to your North star, like I say in the book, it's always going to be a path of up and down, yes and no, and maybe, and what and but ifs. Whereas you have a vision, it's okay, this is what I'm doing, and this is where I'm going, and this is what I need to be doing. So if I understand correctly, the vision is the destination. And in your analogy with the bus versus the car versus walking to the grocery store, the grocery, without the grocery store destination, then you'd just be getting into a car and driving around aimlessly, or you'd just be walking down the street and not know where you're going because you don't have that destination in mind. Did I get that right? Correct. Okay, so, so now help me with this. You make a differentiation in the book simply because you have different chapters on them between a vision and a goal. So help, help us understand the difference between the vision and a goal. Okay, well, you know, let, let me spin this back at you. What, what do you think a goal is? So my, in my mind, a vision is kind of like the, the perfect scenario of eventually this is what my business is going to look like, whereas a goal is a very specific short-term destination that we're trying to achieve that is a step closer to the vision, but not necessarily fulfillment of the vision. So for example, right now I'm preparing for a virtual conference for attorneys. So I have specific goals around that conference. I wanna have a, a minimum of 10,000 attendees to that conference. That's a goal. My vision doesn't have anything to do with the conference. My vision is being able to have thousands of law firms that I've, that I've been able to change and effectuate change and help them grow. And now I've got this entire ecosystem of, of firm owners who are successful and able to build wealth through their law practice and now change the world in many different ways. So like my vision is, is the, 
the, the end product, whereas the goal is a short-term destination that I'm trying to achieve. That's, that's my under, that's my, that's my interpretation, but I'd like to see what yours is. Okay. And, and, and that's great. So yes, the vision is the long-term picture. The goal is exactly those, those building blocks that help you get it. And strategy is how you formulate your goals. But for me, for example, like my goals are, my goals are not tied down to money, brick and mortar things. My goals are family and be able to do things that are, that evolve around family. And some of those things are details, for example, money, right? Money, instead of being money, a goal for me, money is a detail for me where that way at the end of every day, I've always accomplished my goal because at the end of the day, I'm always coming back home to my family and I'm always looking forward. And there's never that day where I'm not, where I'm not kind of fulfilled, where I don't have that self-fulfillment to just push me further and further and further for what I do. Okay, very interesting. And, and what, what I find most interesting is that you've chosen a goal, um, for example, family, which I define as a core value. And that is, and you're, you're, you're now working everything around that in order to achieve that goal of family. So will this thing bring me one step closer to spending more time with my family or to having a better experience with my family? So very interesting spin and way of looking at goal setting. So that's intriguing, certainly. Um, another question that I have is you talk about, you talk about passion and how important passion is as the armor of the goal. And I know that there are listeners to this show who they, when they started their firm, they were passionate about it. And today they might be a lot less passionate about it. It's kind of like when somebody first starts dating um, somebody, right. And you know, the first few months, they can't see any negativity. Like it is like amazing and they're so passionate about it. But now come to them five years later, they're married and they, you know, all of that initial passion is gone and they may not feel the same way about that relationship than they did in those first few months. Now it's not, not to say that it's bad how they feel. Um, some people definitely have completely lost their passion and they need to either reignite that or separate from the marriage. So really where I'm going with this is, how does somebody who has lost his passion for his business uh, determine whether there's a way to reignite that or, you know, and become passionate about it again versus realizing that, Hey, I might've taken a wrong turn and I need to consider another direction. I also, that's also really another great question. So the way I view passion is like what you said, it's the armor. And then there's the other way of viewing it where passion is like gas for your car you have to find a way to make whatever you do fun. And if whatever you're doing is not fun, you know, sometimes we just have to do things just because we have to provide for our family. And yes, that's understandable, but you know, there, there's always has to be that limit. So instead of working like a 16 hour a day, I'm just doing something where there is zero passion. There is zero fun for you. You don't look forward to do it. What if you can limit that to 10 hours a day and then, take that extra couple hours and focus on that on doing something that is, that you are passionate about something that you could, you know, provide something that you could do something to, uh, to make your future and your family's future or whoever's future you want to be better. So it's always about just finding what it is that you want to do, putting aside a little bit of time for it. If, if what you're currently doing, you are not enjoying, 
for example, like, yes, I'm sure there are many law, you know, like law firm owners that, that are not passionate about what they do. Maybe it's this, maybe it's the clientele that they're working with. Maybe they can go into another direction, but at the end of the day, you can't just pick up and just drop what you're doing and do something else. So that's why you do like micro steps into doing it. And then eventually it will formulate into something bigger. Okay. So if I understood you correctly, I'm going to turn it back around to our law firm owners and the way that I, um, that I understand it for them uh, is it's possible that when you started, you were very passionate about practicing your specific practice area of law, or you were passionate about some change that you can effectuate because of your deep involvement in that area. And now it's possible that you are facing the reality of the fact that a firm owner doesn't do a lot of law practice and a firm owner has to be worried about hiring and firing employees and making sure your team is, is pulling cohesively in the same direction. You got to worry about the financials of the business. You got to worry about where the next clients are coming from. And suddenly you find that you're not doing any practice of law. And this could be the flip side also. Some people don't really enjoy the practice of law and they really want to be a business operator, but they're stuck as a solo and they're, you know, doing primarily the practice of law and they want to be a business owner. So the way I understand this, the um, the way you um, answer the question is first you got to take stock with what is it that you're passionate about? What is it that you really enjoy? And when you figure that out, now you got to start making sure that you're very purposeful and earmarking some time to be spending on that. So if you've gotten lost in your ways as a, as a firm owner and not, and, and, and not practiced at all, maybe you need to bring in a office manager to take on a lot of those management tasks. So you could become an attorney again, that's practicing in your, in your practice or the other way around. If you're a solo who is doing primarily uh, the technical work of, of the practice of law, and you want to spend more time on managing and leading and, and, uh, and doing those things, then maybe you need to start looking at hiring somebody to take on some of that technical work so that you could focus on the management and growth of your firm. Did I get that right? I couldn't have said that any better. Okay, great. And I appreciate you, you uh, playing along with me here because I know that some of these questions are um, not necessarily challenging what you're saying in the book, but we're try I'm trying to connect the dots from chapter to chapter um, where if somebody reads this book, they might have the same questions. So that's kind of the way that, that I'm approaching it. All right, so uh, there's a couple of other key things that you cover in the book. One of them is decision-making, one of them is consistency, and one of them is procrastination. And I kind of think that all three of those are related. I have my own ideas of how they are related, but I'd like you to try to spin those three together and explain why decision-making, de uh, consistency, and procrastination uh, are related to each other and what, uh, and what can we do about it to, to solve that problem for, for ourselves and, and continue you growing in the right direction okay so i feel that um so i'm gonna right now speak about myself on those three on, on those three things and we're gonna start off with decision making all right i believe the top the, the topic most some of the biggest ceos in the world they limit their decisions to three decisions a day reason being is that decision making especially huge decisions burn a lot of calories which waste a lot of energy which then you need to refuel and however you do it so Decision-making is a huge part of everyone's life and procrastination. We all struggle, you know, we all struggle with procrastination in some form or, 
or other with different things in our lives. Could be from picking up the phone, could be from just returning the phone call, it could be from just you know switching the light bulb that your wife asked you six months ago. It could be whatever it is that you're procrastinating. And then consistency is the, I feel that consistency is the bloodline of the entrepreneur. Like when you're consistent, you're respected. When you're consistent, people actually notice that. Um, and, and most of all, it's yourself. So for like the all-encompassing entrepreneur, and you know, when you're trying to put this all together, when he has consistency, doesn't procrastinate, and he knows how to make the right decisions, not always are, are is every decision the right decisions, but as long as you know he does, he bases his decision off of his intuition, he will feel a lot more better about it and therefore it might, therefore it most likely will work because you know, you, you, you can't fight with your own intuition. That's, that's key. Consistency and, and procrastinations, those two definitely go hand in hand. So if you want to be that all encompassing power entrepreneur or entrepreneur and be on that way, you just have to be consistent, whether it's waking up on time, can't procrastinate about it you can't snooze the alarm and you have to have the right decision where yes i want to wake up on time and therefore i'm not gonna i'm not gonna procrastinate and i'm gonna be consistent about it yeah so um interesting that you say that um you should limit the quantity of decisions that you're making you know they say that that's why steve jobs was always wearing the same exact clothing every single day he had you know the the t-shirt and the and the jeans that he wore and he never changed what he was wearing because he wanted to eliminate the decision of what to wear in the morning uh, when he got dressed in the morning because that decision would take away from his ability to make a decision later. So that's, that's a key point. And the way that, that I, the, the way that I see procrastination comes from one of two things, either from indecision. So you're not sure what decision to make. So you procrastinate altogether, right? And the other reason for procrastination is fear, which is where, what I want to touch on next with you. And that's, you know, the fear of the unknown, the fear of being successful, the fear of uh, failing, the fear of, you know, what other people are going to think or say. That's, that's the other reason for procrastination. But what procrastination does is it makes us not take action. So it, it actually negates our consistency. So if we look at the growth of, I mean, look at any of the, the large publicly traded companies and their growth is not mind boggling from quarter to quarter, but they take consistent steps in a positive direction, hopefully, otherwise their stock gets punished, right? So if their earnings per share went up a couple of pennies, then they're considered successful because they took that next step of consistent growth. Whereas if it went down, they now are showing inconsistency there, you know, and, and they'll get punished heavily. We need to do the same thing for our firm. We need to do the same thing in our lives, which is where we continue to take baby steps towards our growth. And that happens with consistency. The podcast is a perfect example. This is my second podcast. So I have a podcast out there called Dream Builder Financial. Um, and that podcast I started and I was inconsistent with it. I released a few episodes, I stopped, I waited a year, I released a few more episodes and I stopped and I haven't released episodes since. 
And obviously, you can you can now imagine and understand that that podcast never got traction, even though it's been sitting there in the libraries for people to find it for the last three years. I've already exceeded the number of downloads for that show from this show because in the last six months, less than six months, we've released an episode every Tuesday and we've released those bonus episodes on Thursdays. We've been very consistent with releasing episodes and that's the key to people be, being interested in what, you're, what you have to offer and purchasing it from you or in this case, listening to my podcast is because they know that they can expect the next step from you because you've demonstrated consistency. So lack of decision creates procrastination, which then removes your ability to be consistent. So, but I want to, I want to go back and talk to lack of decision-making where it's based in fear. So obviously as somebody who is involved in self-development and personal growth, and also because you happen to have at least one chapter dedicated to fear, and I'm looking for the name of the chapter, but I can't, I can't find it right now. Uh, Here, no. Uh, Yeah, failure, bear it or embrace it is the first time I think that you talk about fear. But you'd actually talk about it a few times in your book. What I'd like to, to know is, Jacob, what is your take on fear and how people can overcome it? <laughs> Great. So fear is definitely a huge, huge part of our everyday life that we struggle with. Some people fear calling that person, um, doing the cold calling because of fear of rejection, where fear of rejection is one of the four fatal fears. Some people are, um, are fear of the unknown. That's, the, with, that's another fatal fear. Some people are just fear of, like what you said, also fear of being successful. When you make the decision to be successful, when you make the decision to make those phone calls, when you make those de- the decision to go out with your wife once a week, this night, that's what you're doing it, or whatever decision you're, you're making in life, or this is how I'm going to dress from now on. When you have a whole decision and you know why this decision is, fear is just an obstacle. Fear is not an option. It feels not a problem for you because when you have a problem, that means that you have to go and, and the solution might be there and it might not be there as opposed to when it's an obstacle, obstacles are meant to overcome. When you have that whole decision, fear is just the obstacle. So the way I view it is yes, Fear is fear actually fuels me to do things because when I am scared of something, then I know perfect. Okay, I'm scared to do this. I have a fear of doing this. This is uh this is the time for me for my personal development to get out of my comfort zone. And usually when I get out of my comfort zone and when other people get out of their comfort zone, they grow. So it's kind of a win-win. So um I can tell you from my own personal experience that I struggle with being able to recognize that I'm having fear at the moment. In other words, I experienced fear, which causes me to procrastinate, but being able to recognize that that fear is happening is part of the problem because I, I understand everything that you just said, which is to, to realize that the fear is an obstacle. It's an opportunity for growth and, and understanding that overcoming it is going to make you a better person. I mean, for example, if I were to go bungee jumping, which I haven't done, I imagine that standing on the top of the platform, looking down at the ground, which is very, very far below, 
I would have a fear of jumping. Now, what what is that fear? That fear is just because of the possibilities. Um, and if you think about it, they're pretty they're pretty slim that any of those possibilities would happen. Like I slip out of the bungee cord or the bungee cord snaps, you know, so you know you're tied to something and it's going to keep you from hitting the ground, but yet you have you have that fear. So there, obviously, I'm, I'm very much aware of the fact that I have the fear and it's easy to say, okay, if I, if I take the step that I'm overcoming this fear, I'm, I'm, I'm training myself and, and becoming uh, to become a better person. So, you know, jumping out of a plane or a bungee cord, you know, those are like examples where I can definitely see uh, being able to do that. But how do I, in my day-to-day operations, how do I recognize that I'm operating from fear? How do I, how, how do I uh, pinpoint that and say, hey, listen up, buddy, you're being fearful right now and there's no reason for you to do that. And this is an opportunity for you to overcome that fear, push past it and move, you know, and become a better person. I think that's a great question. I was never asked that before. So I feel that when it comes to the day-to-day, when something that you're procrastinating about might have to do with something that you're fearing. So let's say during the day you, um, I don't know, I don't know what your schedule is during the day, but let's say you go and you had to go do an errand. Okay. So Instead of you going doing that errand, you're like, you know, I'm going to go get a couple more minutes of work and I'm going to do the errand later. As in, you might have that fear where, oh, if I'm not working full time, then I'm not really going to get to where I want to be because going the errand, you know, doing the errand right now, it might be a priority. It might be a high priority. But then again, like work is work comes first. Uh, so it, that can that can be an option. And during the day, another way that you can see with what you might be fearful of is what don't you like to do? If you don't like to do it, it might be because either you're scared of doing it or either it doesn't make you comfortable in doing it. Um, That can also be another thing. Um, I feel maybe another way to do it is, is like giving over to a, like, you know, giving time to other people, you know, you might not see the, the exact, you know, like impact in it, or it might, um, you know, it might like make you uncomfortable, you know, you're giving out to people like during the work, you know, during your work time, that might be another fear where, oh, you know, if I'm wasting time right now, then I'm going to have to go and find more time. All these like little things that might, that can possibly be a way of how you can, I guess, recognize fear. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if I understand what you're saying, I'm just going to recap. Um, First, if I find that I'm procrastinating, then I should definitely look to see if this is fear-based. Second, if there's something that I don't enjoy doing or I think that I don't like doing, I should investigate to see if that is fear-based. And third, if there is something that I am seeing as a a cost to my time and viewing as a waste of my time, I should start to look at that to see if that is fear-based as well. Did I get those right? Yes. Okay. All right, so those are three great tips because I, I, I don't know who else struggles with that, but I definitely have a hard time with when it's happening to recognize that it's happening and to, and to you know, I get the, the logic of overcoming the fear and I can try to do that, but sometimes I just don't even realize I'm acting out of fear until, you know, way afterwards or I never realize. Um, so I hope, hope that, that the answer to that question, thank you, Jacob, um, is helpful to 
some of our listeners. So um, let me let me take a, a bit of a different direction with you now, uh, Jacob. Um, if if you had three key pieces of advice to a business owner that will help them with staying motivated, um, growing, um, really effectuating the change in themselves that they want to that they want to do. What are your like top three nuggets of advice that you'd like to share with them? So the nuggets of advice that I'm going to share are not my nuggets. Those are nuggets that I've gotten from other people that that have helped myself. But first and foremost is always, as we all know, the people you surround yourself by are who you end up being. So that's number one. Or just surround yourself with the people who you want to, um, who you aspire to be like and, and, and who provide you a growth environment. That's one. The second one is everything you do, do with purpose. Be purposeful in everything that you're doing. Like even, even if it's the simplest thing, you're making a coffee, be purposeful. I'm making this coffee so I can drink, so it'll make me feel better, which will give me energy to do what I need to do today. Um, just like those little things being like really take you a really long way. And I think the third thing is always keep the end in the end in mind. Like, what am I doing all this for? What am I like, what is everything that I'm doing for? And that, that also has to correlate with, with being purposeful. So I think it would, two has to do with purpose and one has to do with who you surround yourself with. I, I, Love all of those. So to recap, the first one is surround yourself with people who are um, at a higher level that you're trying to achieve so that you can, they, they will help elevate you. And um, my good friend, John Lee Dumas from Entrepreneur on Fire basically covers this in every single one of his episodes where he says, you are, you are the sum of the five people that you, that you spend the most time with or something along those lines. And it's not his line. It's from somebody else. And I'm not sure who. So I apologize for whoever I'm quoting it from and botching it. But basically, that's the general idea. So making sure that you are associating yourself with the right people is number one. And drawing a blank on what number two was. Number two was doing everything with purpose. Right. So doing everything with purpose. And what's, what I find interesting about this this is your example of coffee, because when you brought up the example of coffee, uh, you were you were giving an example of how coffee would you know is helpful, and that's why you're doing it. And for me, somebody who drinks I don't know like eight cups of coffee a day, I probably drink too much coffee. <laughs> so when I go to the coffee machine out of habit to brew the next cup, if I do it with purpose, I might say, Hey, do I really need this next cup of coffee? Is this really the right thing, right piece of fuel to be putting into my body? Maybe I should be drinking water. And that is a way that I can uh, um, maybe change a habit that is not a good habit for me uh, into a better habit. So I saw the flip side of that and but took the same the same takeaway that from you, which is that if we do things with purpose, very often, we would cut out a lot of the things that we're doing. And we would be so much more productive because we would not be wasting our time on things that are not necessary. If, if every time we went to do something, we questioned, is this really the best thing for me to be doing right now? And it kind of goes hand in hand with the last thing that you shared. Um, because the last thing that you shared, the, the great example that I have is from a book called Living Forward by Michael Hyatt and Daniel Harkavy. And 
in that book, they have you do an exercise where you write your own eulogy. And um, when you write your own eulogy, if you think about the power of that exercise, you're really looking at the end of your life, looking back and saying, what do I want to be known for? What did I do on this world? What do I want people to stand up there and talk about? And if you, if you, if you approach life from that perspective, then you will do a much better job of aiming in that direction. Uh, whereas if you just kind of drift through life and drift is another word that they came up with, which I mentioned on a previous podcast um, episode, but if you kind of drift through life and just let it happen, you know, you're, you're, you'll end up somewhere totally different at the end of your life and you'll end up being unhappy. You know, there's so many stories of people who were on their deathbed and they were just very sad about what they, you know, how they led their life and what they didn't accomplish, but it doesn't have to be that way. Like we, there, we all have the power of thinking about what is it that we want to be known for? What is it that we, what impact do we want to have on this world and just make sure that we're heading in that direction. And Hey, if running and owning a law firm is not part of that, then you should think about closing shop and doing something else. But if running and owning a law firm and being successful at it is definitely part of that. And, you know, a big piece of that, then it, you owe it to yourself to make sure that you do the damn best job you can in becoming the best, most successful law firm possible for you. Wow. So Jacob, this was really great. And I really enjoyed um, all the points in your book. And I enjoy the, the way that, that they're all connected to each other, kind of like not purposely, like, it, I mean, not that it, you don't tie the chapters together in the book, but they're definitely there in a specific order for a specific reason. And we covered a number of them here and it was very clear that, that you have a purpose for, for the reason that they're in that order. So if anybody uh, wants to check out the book, um, tell us, tell them where they can get the entrepreneurial way, how they can get their hands on it. Also let them know how they might be able to continue their journey with you. If your message resonated with them, if they, you know, if they want to find out how to work with you directly. Sure. So you can find the book on Amazon, The Entrepreneurial Way, or if you just type in my name, Jacob Busani, you can find it. And then I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter, all under Jacob Busani. You can find me over there. Or if you want to shoot me an email, you can do that at info, I-N-F-O, at Jacob Busani. That's B-U-S-A-N-I dot com. You can check out my website. Um, jacobusani.com and you can just leave a, leave a, um, like a request on there and there's also a link for my calendar if you want to have a quick chat and thank you very much Moshe for having me on your podcast oh you're welcome but you're not done yet I'm going to throw you a curveball I want to have leave with one last question so I gave you that that plug there and everybody can go and check you out and and definitely pick up your book um, last question for you what is your definition of work, life, and family balance? Wow. Um, there is no balance. It's, it all has to be symmetrically connected. It's, you have time for work and you have time for family. So if your family is not all, if your family is not high priority, then your work is not going to be high priority. So something has to be high priority and I hope it's family and then everything has to be revolved around it. That's the way I look okay. at it. Very interesting take. And I knew there was a reason I asked you that question. 
get would definitely get a different response than what people would expect. So um, definitely, it's an interesting perspective that if um, if you don't prioritize one, you're not going to prioritize any. They kind of all go hand in hand. So love the conversation, Jacob. Thank you so much for being here on the show. And um, I encourage everybody to check out the book, The Entrepreneurial Way uh, on Amazon. And until next time, let's keep growing. Let's keep making ourselves better, making the firms better and making them profitable so that we can impact the world and impact ourselves, our families and future generations. Thank you for giving me this opportunity, Moshe. This week's episode of the Profit With Law podcast has ended, but your growth journey doesn't have to stop here. Head over to ProfitWithLaw.com forward slash grow, where you can download the Firm Differentiator 10x System Toolkit entirely free. In this toolkit, I share the details of my system being used to grow firms to extreme profitability. That's ProfitWithLaw.com forward slash grow. Until the next time, remember, a law practice is not for practice, it's for profit.